0: Hello and welcome to Procurement Express monthly podcast brought to you by myself, Khaled Ikibo from Telson Procurement. And this month's guest, JP from Procurement Express Customer Services Team or Customer Success Team, will be sharing some product updates on the platform. So hello to you, JP.
1: Great to be here today. Great stuff.
0: Let's get started with some procurement and supply news this month. The first story comes from Supply Management Magazine, and it's regarding chocolate-making company Ferrero. Now, Ferrero, which owns popular brands such as Nutella or Nutella and Kinder, said it would stop sourcing from Sime Darby Plantation in Indonesia after U.S. Customs and Border Protection found the company used forced labor in its supply chains. Now, the allegation centers around human trafficking, forced labor, or child labor. Farrell's decision to terminate relationships with Sime Darby in Indonesia followed similar decisions by chocolate maker Hershey and agricultural trader Chargel and food manufacturer General Mills. I might just add as well that Sime Darby Plantation in Indonesia, which produces palm oil, is the largest palm oil manufacturing company in the world. Now, this shows the consequences that happen as a result of forced labor in your supply chains. The first being that of damage to reputation. Sime Darby, of course, his reputation is currently in shreds. A lot of their major clients have withdrawn their business from them, uh, and it's going to take a lot of work for them to restore that reputation. In addition to that, for clients such as Ferrero, Hershey, and General Mills Manufacturing, there's going to be a huge disruption to their supply chain for palm oil. So they're going to have to look for new supply for palm oil, A knock-on consequence of that is that there's likely to be an increase in the price of palm oil because the supply market has shrunk for them and the existing suppliers who they seek to source from are likely to increase their prices as a result to cope with the excess or increased demand. I might also say that Indonesia is the largest palm oil producer in the world and quite separate to this story, they have recently banned all exports of palm oil to other countries and this stems from the rising food prices in indonesia to the extent that the population of indonesia have protested and the government as a result have banned the exportation of palm oil which you may or may not know goes into a number of different foodstuffs such as bread biscuits popcorn you name it chocolate as well so as a result the indonesian government has banned exports so that the cost of local food production is cheaper because there's more supply of palm oil within Indonesia as a result of the ban of exports. And that's likely to last for the next couple of months. It's a temporary ban. So we'll we'll watch this space to see when Indonesia lifts their export ban. Of course, there's gonna be a knock-on effect for the the global demand for palm oil. The price of palm oil is gonna go up as well. So that's a a side bit of news as well. Uh, In addition to the news that this company in Indonesia has been sanctioned for forced labor allegations. The second story comes from Coca-Cola in the UK. And the story centers around a former electrical and automation manager at Coca-Cola who was sentenced to 20 months in prison, suspended for 21 months, and ordered to complete 200 hours of unpaid work. He was also told to pay costs of £5,000. Now, the reason for the sentence was because this manager had accepted bribes to the tune of £1.5 million, which is about, you know, just under $1.9 million, in exchange for confidential information to help with tenders. He pleaded guilty to all five counts of corruption. In addition to that, and this is a first, the companies that paid the bribes have also been sentenced in what the police described as the first time uh, firms have been prosecuted for failing to prevent bribery. The impact of this more broadly speaking in terms of bribery taking place in your organization is higher costs. Whoever's paying the bribes, will want to recoup their bribes by inflating the cost of their contracts. In addition to that, the manager who's participated in the bribe that works for Coca-Cola is obviously compromised. And if at a later stage that automation manager is asked to sign off on work, assuming, for example, that work is of substandard by the vendor, The manager is compromised and is unable to call out substandard work which means as a result that Coca-Cola will be you know embedding substandard work into their operations so it potentially has a knock-on effect to the quality of your operations as a result of substandard work coming into your operations because of you know relevant personnel being compromised from taking bribes. I think in terms of preventing there's a need for ethical training around conflict of interests understanding and identifying conflicts of interest and also what to do when that you know a conflict of interest arises in in the sense of declaration of those interests and removing yourself from any decision making or having anything to do with the specific tender I think as well this new story also points to the fact that we're talking about a criminal offence and I think it's very important for uh, management procurement management to you know inform their staff that it is a criminal offense to accept bribes. It's not just um, you know something which can be taken lightly and it can potentially affect the rest of their career. So that too can also act as a deterrent to prevent bribery taking place within your organization. JP, any thoughts
1: on that? Yeah, it's actually really interesting. And it's almost the same here in South Africa. We recently had a similar story. And over 600 companies were involved in a PPE scandal. So for those who don't know, a PPE is a personal protective equipment. And it happened when lockdown just hit in South Africa. So what was happening is we were placed on a national state of disaster and funds were made available to supply the frontline workers with protective equipment. And the funds that was made available was roughly $112 million or $1 billion dollars. And what happened was that the tender winners weren't registered as a supplier on the database. The tender winners did not have a track record of supplying PPEs. They also didn't have a electronic footprint, even a website. And this was really interesting that some of the employees were close family members of the government um, employees. And sometimes the close family members were part of the tender process that awarded the tenders to them. Wow,
0: that is interesting. I think, again, this highlights the need for ethical training of staff, of public body or public organizations in in this example. I think it also makes clear the need for enlightenment from the vendor's point of view, to make sure they're aware that you know it will not be accepted, it will be prosecuted, and hopefully that will prevent such actions from taking place in the future. I think, as we just explained with the Coca-Cola um, scenario or news story, the cost of procuring PPE escalates dramatically as a result of all these fraudulent practices, partly because the suppliers or vendors are uh, uh, don't have the competence to supply the correct materials or correct PPE, which could result in, um, you know, unsatisfactory materials being submitted, which can't be used for the purpose of PPE, essentially a waste of money. And also the fact that they will inflate their prices because they are potentially middlemen. Uh, they don't actually operate or manufacture these PPE themselves. And they will obviously whack on a, on top of uh, a margin uh, and inflate the cost of the contract. So. I think there are a number of areas there that probably we don't have enough time to go into, but uh, highlight the need for ethical training. Okay, moving on, uh, onto why you've joined us, JP. Uh, Maybe you can start by telling us a bit about your role at Procurement Express and your area of
1: expertise. Yeah, sure. So I'm customer support consultant or representative, and I mostly work with the customers in solving their problems whatever that might be. So I joined Procurement Express roughly five years ago. And since then, I worked customer success and support, moved a little bit into sales, and then moved back to support as I found out that was my passion. So I was lucky enough to join right after I finished school. So I was just done, jumped into Procurement Express, and so far it's been amazing. Fantastic.
0: I just had you. You you are based in South Africa, um, in case our listeners are wondering where the come from. But great. More specifically, there are you know there's a particular upgrade you'd like to talk to us about. So can you tell us a bit about how the upgrade came about and what your solution has been?
1: Yeah, sure. So basically, we recently had an update on the way we handle invoices in the system. So in the past, we were able to handle invoices by using attachments. And this caused a lot of issues in a way for the finance team, because they had to surf through thousands and thousands of attachments to find a certain invoice that they were looking for. And we thought, you know what? There should be a way to save some time for them. And so we invented and worked on separating invoices from attachments. So going forward, and if you log into the system, it's there you're able to upload invoices yourself or your vendors can go ahead and upload invoices and you can basically match your invoice with your purchase orders by using three-way matching. You can have a look if everything was fine, if everything makes sense, you can go ahead and approve that. You can even reject it and give feedback to the vendor on why you rejected the invoice. There might be something missing. They added, ship and you didn't pay for shipping or something like that.
0: That's great. Um, I think you touched on a number of benefits there. I think the first of is it saves time. I think as well, it also improves communication between the, well, first of all, on the time front, I think it saves time in terms of not having to go through each attachment. Um, Mm -hmm. And the fact that you have been able to develop the software to identify an invoice that's uploaded and match it to an invoice, you know, makes, the job of your clients a lot easier I think as well from a communication point of view vendors are more able to understand the progress of their invoices in terms of payment um, and without having to call up and expedite what's happening with their payment so I think that would give vendors a um, you know, rest of mind in terms of when they're going to get paid and at what stage their invoices is in terms of process and as you mentioned if there is a a problem with the invoice or there's a a query on the invoice they would be immediately alerted through the platform have you had any feedback from customers about the new upgrade
1: yeah yeah they love it it's really time saving for them because as you mentioned they have they don't have to call the vendor uh to say hey did you upload the invoice or where's my invoice they can just log into the system they get notified hey there's a new invoice they check it out, they can process it. And the same for the vendors. They don't have to contact the finance and say, hey, did you pay us already? Because they can see it in the system.
0: Yeah, fantastic. I think as well, from a from a buyer's point or a client's point of view, you're more likely to be a good client in the eyes of the vendor if they have good transparency over the payments of their invoices and they don't have to chase you up. I think uh, suppliers will, you know, have great difficulty working with clients who there's a lot of uh, vagueness about at what stage their invoice is in terms of being paid. And I think this uh, visibility you're giving to vendors makes your clients more attractive to those vendors and potentially that's likely to lead to more favorable rates or more favorable terms that the, the vendor offers your clients. Because the vendor has peace of mind, rest of mind that they're not going to have to, to chase up any invoices. They can quickly look on the portal and, you know, find what stage the invoice is, um, and therefore they don't have to include a premium for the cost of having to chase up in their in their contracts with you. Um, so potentially, you know, this could lead to saving money from vendors going forward or for future contracts from vendors. Mm. Yeah, are there any other points you'd like to make?
1: Basically, also one thing that I want to add is it saves just a lot of time if yeah. you think about it in a way, and that was the main idea around it is to save time for both the vendors and our customers.
0: I think I think that's fantastic. I think convenience. Um, and at the end of the day, saving time is also saving money because uh, that time saved can be put to you know other good uses um, mm. in terms of more strategic procurement or building relationships with suppliers and you can let the the software you know do the do the role of uh Mm -hmm. providing visibility to the the vendor that is great jp thank you very much Um, i might just add that jp is going to be joining us on a quarterly basis to give us uh, more insights into product upgrades every quarter so thank you very much jp for uh, joining us today and we look forward to seeing you in a few months time can't wait. So that wraps it up for another episode of the Gross Profit Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing and leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts.